Welcome, future doctors, to another episode of the Future Minority Doctor Podcast with Dr. Sulma and Marina, where we bring you conversations to empower and inspire you to contribute to your community and the world by becoming a doctor. Hello, future minority doctors. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about how to prepare for the MCAT. We had a previous episode in which we gave a general overview about what exactly the MCAT is. Well, today, we are going to dive into what is out there to help you prepare for the MCAT. I would also highly recommend listening to our MCAT success story episodes to hear some tips from future minority doctors who took the MCAT fairly recently, and they did pretty well. Yes, I echo that. We have a lot of episodes with great students and they share all of their specific tips. So if you like really want details about like what kind of study tool they used or what kind of test prep program they used or how they did um, their practice tests, please go listen to those episodes. We have some amazing people who are now in medical school. So they got a good enough score on their MCAT to get into medical school. All right, Dr. Z, what do you think is the first step in deciding how to start studying for the MCAT? Well, Dr. Marina, as stated before, it's important to set a timeline first. So you want to think about, do you want to take the test during undergrad, during your summer break, or even after you graduate? There's really not a right way to do it. It's just what's the best way for you. Then you also want to think about how much time you want to give yourself. This is very important because you want to make sure you give yourself enough time to study. I would strongly recommend at a minimum two to three months of study time if possible. What do you think, Dr. Marina? Well, I think it really depends on how much time per day you're going to be able to study. So, for example, if you're going to school or working at the same time and you're only going to be able to study for two hours every evening, you are going to need more than those two to three months, maybe more like five to six months. But if you're going to be able to devote yourself to studying only, for example, for eight to 10 hours a day, then you can get away with maybe two months. I actually ended up taking basically a summer vacation, which was about two months to study. And I studied about eight hours a day, which ended up working well for me. Great. Yeah, I did something similar as well. I I actually only studied, I would say like a two months. And yeah, I did not work throughout that time as well. Um, Again, making it like if the studying was actually my full time job. So very similar to Dr. Marina. Yeah, but I do want to say that, you know, if you're not able to take time off, like we did, there are many people who can't do that. So Mm -hmm. just give yourself more time. Like I was just mentoring Mm -hmm. a student who was working full time during the day. And so she was just studying in the evenings. And she did give herself about six months and ended up doing really well. Great. So the next thing you want to think about is what is your best study style? Do you prefer to study on your own with a buddy and a group or a combination? Remember, research shows among minority students, group study tends to be more effective. I would personally recommend finding a study buddy or study group if possible. I will, however, have to say that finding a study partner or study group can be challenging when it comes to the MCAT. And this can be difficult if you don't have any friends who are thinking about being physicians. This was my case in undergrad. I had many friends, but none of them became doctors. Looking back, I think if I would have been more involved with pre-med campus organizations on my university campus, perhaps I could have improved my chances of finding at least one study buddy. 
The other thing that's hard is that it's hard to coordinate a timeline with someone else because they have their own schedule as well. So trying to coordinate when you want to take the MCAT and somebody else wants to take an MCAT can be quite challenging. Anyhow, if it doesn't work out, don't give up. Sometimes it may can't, it just may come down to self-study and that's also okay. What was your experience like, Dr. Marina? Kind of like you, I did have friends, um, but I think I was taking the MCAT at a different time than a lot of my friends were. So I ended up taking a gap year after undergrad because I had struggled with my grades and I wanted to, you know, show the trajectory upward, including my senior year grades. So I was applying later than some of my other friends who were pre-meds, which meant that I didn't really have people that I knew who were studying for the MCAT at the same time. I'm also kind of, I think at the time I used to be really intimidated by studying in groups because whenever I would get into a group, I would start to really compare myself to how everyone else was doing. It's like, oh my gosh, they understand this and I don't. Oh my gosh, they already read this and I didn't. Oh my gosh, they studied, you know, this chapter and I didn't. Oh, they got this right and I didn't. And so if you're that kind of person, sometimes, you know, being aware of that and realizing that you actually need some time to study alone, that can be okay. Mm -hmm. But also, I wish I could go back and just force myself to do more things in groups, because you also realize that some of the things that you're struggling with, other people are struggling with too. So even though everybody is going to be in a slightly different place, and maybe somebody knows stuff that you don't at the same time, because they understand it, they can help you to understand it. And you don't just get stuck on your own. Because sometimes when you're studying on your own, you don't have anyone to turn to to help you figure it out. Nowadays, we have so many more resources available on the internet, so that can help us. But honestly, sometimes just sitting next to someone who can explain it to you in two minutes, instead of doing like 30 minutes of searching online, it can save you a lot of time and a lot of pain. But anyway, since I didn't really know anyone who was studying for the MCAT at the same time, I just, I went to the library by myself. I bought books on my own, including these um, exam cracker books that had a lot of practice questions, but they also kind of had a study guide. So I would go through the practice questions. And when I got stuck on something that I didn't know, I would go back to the study guide and review that part that I hadn't understood and then go back and try the practice questions. So I really focused most of my time on practice questions, which is what I recommend doing as well find resources that are going to have a lot of practice questions. Because if you, we've talked about this before, I know we keep saying it, but I feel like we can never say it enough. Don't just read a book. Like reading a book is very passive learning. Whereas doing practice questions is actually making the information stick so much better. We have a whole episode on that called improving your memory that goes into that concept in detail. All right, Dr. Z. So we know that there are a lot of resources out there to choose from when studying for the MCAT. In fact, it can actually be a little overwhelming to choose just like one or two or three resources to use since you have to, they're expensive, so you can't buy them all. What are some of these resources, Dr. Zulma? Yeah, so one of the most popular ways is taking an MCAT study course. So what are the options that are out there when it comes to the MCAT study courses? So there are several, um, as Dr. Marina stated earlier, you will have to do a little bit of your own research, but some of the study courses that are the most popular or are out there um, are Kaplan, Princeton Review, Blueprint, 
Altius, MCAT Self Prep, and Magoosh. But of course, there are more. And then which course you decide to take really depends on multiple factors. So one, consider the services that they offer. So it could be a comprehensive live online course. So uh, basically you show up via Zoom or whatever platform they use for teaching or for a class. And this is probably good for those of you that do better if you know you have to show up. Some of them offer on-demand courses. This might be a better option for those that are better at self-directed study or if you're working or just because you have more flexibility. Some of them will include practice test bundle quizzes as well. And of course, this should be a must on everybody's list. And some of them offer a combination of all the services. And of course, this comes with the heavier price tag. <laughs> uh-huh. Two, you want to then consider the pricing of the package and if they offer financing options. So most people don't have thousands of dollars or most students don't have thousands of dollars just lying around to be able to pay for these packages, but they can range depending on how or which one you choose from the low 100s up to $10,000, which is so pricey. That's crazy. (laughs) I know. The more comprehensive the course packages, it tends to be more expensive. And then some of them actually give you an option of financing, such as like through a firm where you at least don't have to get charged an interest rate, which this didn't exist when I was studying for the MCAT. So I had to use a credit card with the interest rate attached to it. And if I recall correctly, I think I paid around like $2,500 or $3,000 for mine. So it was expensive uh-huh. <laughs> to say the yeah. least. Definitely. I remember seeing those options because I think that like Kaplan courses at the time, this was of course like 20 years, well, 15 years ago. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they were like at least twelve, fifteen dollars $1,500. And I thought, I don't have that money. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I think maybe I could have figured out a way to borrow the money if I really, really wanted to do it. But the books I ended up buying, the exam crackers, they were like $300. <laughs> yeah. So I saved a lot of money. But again, it depends on what kind of learner you are. If you really need someone else to help motivate you, to help you study, then figure out a way, spend a reasonable amount of money if you need it. Agreed. I think for myself, I needed to, I'm one of the the learners that needs to show up and be there. If not, I don't get that push. So um, yeah, but yes, it was pricey. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number three, Some of them give you the option of being able to do it online nowadays versus in person or a combination of both. And again, as mentioned earlier, this this offers more flexibility. So um, you can access it whenever you're available, which is a good option for working students or even students who are parents or, or have other commitments in their household. So this might be better for those students. And then in-person might be better for those of you who get easily distracted, procrastinate, or have difficulty sticking to schedules, or even those of you who tend to be addicted to social media as well. Yes, that's a good point. (laughs) Very good point. Number four, some packages include tutoring services that are one-to-one. This is great, but again, from reviewing some of the prices, these are probably the most expensive um, MCAT prep courses. Number five, the packages have access time frame. So basically, they give you a certain amount of time that you're able to use it. 
And this can range from weeks to months, depending on the price as well. So that's something else to consider. And again, really, as we talked earlier in the podcast, thinking about when and how long you're going to study for, you need to coordinate it as well, because there is a price attached to it if you go through this route. Number six, look into whether the question banks, practice exams, or textbooks are included in the package and the price. Believe it or not, some of them give you a price, but it doesn't include these items. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you're looking at that as well. Seven, uh, some of the prep courses, they offer free trial periods, which I think it's nice, maybe a week or two, where you can actually check it out to see if it kind of fits you and if it's something that you do want to pay for. They don't all do this, but there are some. So this is an option as well. And then eight, there are some MCAT courses that have an increased score guarantee. These are the more the more expensive ones, though. So um, it's there in case you're able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, I remember reviewing some of the prices on these MCAT prep courses. And like you mentioned, of course, they're pretty pricey. Are there any scholarships that you know of, Dr. Zulma, or any free MCAT courses available? Yes, there are. There are financial scholarships available if you do your research as well. I would start at least by looking at the Latino Medical Student Association and Student National Medical Association websites because they tend to offer scholarships to underrepresented minority and pre-med students. So at least start there and then broaden your, your research. There also exist MCAT study course programs that are specifically for underrepresented minorities, and they're free. So I'm going to talk about some examples. One that I came across was the MCAT Disciple Scholarship for underrepresented minority students. These students are selected uh, based on an application. Uh, you can look at their website for the scholarship criteria. And if you're selected, you actually are in a free 10-week MCAT course program. So it's an intensive MCAT course program. So this is a great option. So if you're able to look ahead of time and apply because it, you do have to apply for it. I also came across the University of Miami School of Medicine. They have an, an MCAT preparation program as well. It's over the summer. And again, you do have to apply and it would be free if you get accepted. And then the AAMC offers the Summer Health Professions Education Program. It was formerly known as the Summer Medical Education Program, and this is geared at increasing underrepresented minorities in medicine. Uh, multiple universities actually participate in this program, including some Ivy League schools. And each school has their own curriculum, so you all have to review which uh, school site of interest you have to see if it fits with the MCAT prep. Previously, there used to be an MCAT track, but this changed now. But they still do include intensive course science review that can help with the MCAT. And again, you have to apply. It is free, and this one actually has a stipend included and materials included, but you have to be a freshman or sophomore in college. I did this program when it used to be the summer medical education program, and I went to UMDNJ in New Jersey, and that, and I actually did the MCAT track. And it was great because basically for four weeks, you were, you had to show up to class like for eight hours a day. And it was peer review on all sections of the MCAT and they gave you materials. And I, if I recall correctly, they might have even paid for my airfare. I can't remember, but they might have as well. So it was really nice. The meals were included too. So it really helped me. So I did a month of this and then I did a month of Kaplan. That's, that's what I did to prepare. I'm curious, Dr. Zulma, what was your experience with the program like? Like, do you feel like it really strengthened your 
ability to take the test? Did it really help clarify some of the stuff that was on the test? Yes. And I think because it was taught as well by um, underrepresented minority physicians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, um, and we're going to talk about this later, but just that psychological piece of taking the MCAT. I think for me, when I arrived there, of course, I was nervous. But when we when we got to the lecture hall, just looking around, it was like a lot of uh, minority students in there. We all wanted to be doctors. And we were being taught by minority, you know, professors that were physicians. And just how they explained it, it has to do with like the communication, I think, culturally as well. They were able to break down topics in a different way. And then they would also like say, for example, if we did a practice test, then afterwards, somebody would meet with us to go over it and kind of help mentor us through it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to like really give us feedback to see, okay, you know what, you're doing good here. I think this is your area where you need to do. And then they they were available if we needed additional help as well. So it was it was nice. They did simulated exams for us too. So for me, it was a very positive experience. And it was positive to just see how many students that were similar like me or similar like the kids I grew up in my neighborhood wanting to be doctors as well. Until today, I still keep in touch with some of them. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great experience. And, you know, now that you mentioned that, that, that psychology piece that, that reminds me, of course, of our episode on stereotype threat, which if you haven't heard, please go back and listen to. That's a really great one. But yeah, you know, I mentioned that I was kind of intimidated to take a course because I compare myself a lot to other people sometimes. And I think that totally has a lot to do with it because I knew that if I took a Kaplan or Princeton review course or whatever was available in my area, it would have been mostly white students with me. And I think that that just, it amplifies the effect of like comparison (laughs) and uh, brings up all this psychological stuff. So for me, studying by myself, it kind of eliminated that. But just be aware that when you do take the test, you're going to be in a sometimes you're going to be in a room with a lot of other students that maybe don't look like you. So prepare yourself psychologically to just focus on like your strengths and focus on how amazing you are instead of looking around and comparing yourself. (laughs) Luckily, most of the testing now is done in a test center. So not all the people there are taking the MCAT, like some Mm -hmm. of them are taking the GRE, some of them are taking nursing exams, they could be taking some completely different exam. Whereas when I took it, it was like this big room of like 100 people that were just taking the MCAT. (laughs) So I think nowadays in the testing center, it's a little less intimidating because people are taking different exams. Yeah, so there are a lot more um, underrepresented minority MCAT prep courses, but just just research them because I think this will be evolving each year. Criteria may change each year. So you kind of have to be on top of it. But um, you don't have to go directly towards the the big ones like Kaplan Prison Review and all of those that, that everybody knows about. You know, there are these other tracks that you can do and these other options specifically if you, you are a minority student. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Zia, I mentioned that I kind of preferred to study alone. So what about other students who also prefer to study alone? Well, another way to study for the MCAT is to get tutoring or just do self-study. I will say if you hire a private tutor, you will want to be careful that the tutoring company is legit. Uh, So please do your research and ask friends about tutoring services before you pocket out the big bucks because it is really expensive. 
consider using your school campus tutoring center for help. This is usually free to the students while you're enrolled in undergrad. They may or may not have MCAT tutors, but if you find yourself stuck with something in physics or OCHEM, you can probably find someone to help you understand those concepts better. And then, of course, you can also do your own thing and get study guides and books like Dr. Marina and then just study on your own. I will say if you do this, it will take a lot of discipline and well planning. Uh, You want to make sure you are covering the topics well and make sure that you're buying study materials from one of the MCAT study courses, bookstores, or online. So the books um, like uh, Dr. Marina did. Then last but not least, get as many practice exams as possible. Many of the study courses will have practice tests, but really try to get a hold to as many as you can. I feel that this is probably one of the most important parts of preparing for the MCAT. Yeah, I should also mention that, you know, when I say that I studied alone, I did get help sometimes. Um, My husband was also a biology major. And even though he wasn't taking the MCAT, we had taken a lot of the physics and OCHEM courses and bio courses together. And he's just kind of a little bit brainier than I am in some (laughs) ways. He retains information ridiculously well, (laughs) which would make me jealous at times, to be honest. (laughs) But so sometimes if I would, you know, I'd be at the library, he'd be at work all day. And the evening I would come home and say, you know what, this concept, I'm kind of stuck on it. Like, can you help me out here? So and sometimes he would be able to. So, uh, you know, when you when you think of studying alone, don't do it 100% alone, (laughs) like reach out, like even if you know, 90% of your time is alone, reach out to other people for help for those times that you do get stuck. It could be a friend, it could be a tutor at a tutoring center, you know, you can find people if you look. So after you guys choose a study course, is there anything else that you should be doing? Glad you asked, Dr. Rina. I think the most important thing to address is the psychological barriers that we put on ourselves. Taking the exam is knowing the content, but mostly it really is about our mental and psychological training. We put so many limiting beliefs on ourselves that play a key role in our performance. I strongly feel that training for this part can significantly help you perform better. So what does this mean? Start building stamina by training for game day. Your preparation should be like a team prepares in the preseason for the championships or like a theater, musical, or dance performer, trains for the opening show. They aren't just practicing once a week for a couple of hours. They're training daily for hours. They are also sleeping well, eating well, and exercising well. You want to be ready for game time or opening night to give the best performance that you know you can do. Now, I didn't say perfect, right? But it's the best performance that you know you can do. I'm sure you're probably asking, well, where do I even start? I would suggest that you start by taking simulated practice exams. Aside from your daily studying, really think about taking a full simulated exam weekly. Pretend it is test day. You want to plan on a seven to seven and a half hour day. You want to include the breaks during your simulated exam, just like the real exam. And the exam is broken down as you do 95 minutes chemistry physics. So you want to set a timer and then you take a 10 minute break. Then you set your timer again for 90 minutes for the cars. And then you're going to set your timer for 30 minutes for lunch break. And then 95 minutes for the biology biochem section. Then you do a 10 minute break. So you set your timer for that. And then the last part of the exam is 95 minutes for the psych social science section. 
And if you do this, this really gives you that experience and the time management in taking the exam. So that way you kind of get a feel for it before just showing up on that day and not really knowing what that feels like. I really like how this uh, previous MCAT success story interviewee that we, we spoke to, how she prepared for her weekly simulated exams. And this is how she described it. She said, Fridays were her simulated exam day. She wore the same outfit and shoes that she planned on using the day of the exam. She had this music playlist that she listened to before um, taking the exam every week as well. I love that part. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, She took the same snacks, lunch, and drinks that she was planning to take on the day of the exam. And she picked the same location to take her practice exams that was quiet. In her case, she went um, away from the undergrad campus and went to the graduate campus at at their library. Uh, And then she timed herself in each section, just like if it was a real exam, and she put in the breaks as well. And then she would review afterwards the questions she missed, but also the ones she got right if she thought she had guessed them because she didn't really understand them. So she would review that. And she did this for about two months straight, and she had like excellent scores on the MCAT. So I think a lot of this has to do with just that mental training. And it's really to create this mental toughness for exam day. I really wish I would have done this. I think it would have made a significant difference if I, if I would have done this more times, just like this student did. What do you think, Dr. Marina? I think she, she did an amazing job. <laughs> and we should all <laughs> learn from her because that does take a lot of discipline. But also, you know, speaking about the psychology behind taking this test, a lot of this is psychological. Mm -hmm. And just, I remember, I think I only took maybe two practice exams, and I really should have taken more, but luckily it worked out. But one of the reasons I avoided taking practice exams is because I had this mentality that, no, I can't take the practice exam until I feel ready. And I don't know everything yet. So I can't take the exam because I don't know everything yet. And I know I'm going to do badly. And I know that that's going to make me feel bad. So I'm going to keep avoiding taking practice tests until I feel ready. But the fact is, okay, listen (laughs) to this. The fact (laughs) is you are never going to feel fully ready. And I think she understood this, which I wish I had understood back (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I was studying for it. I probably could have done even better. She understood This concept that we now understand in the world of cognitive psychology, that testing is actually a learning process. So testing is not just for the sake of testing. Testing is for the sake of practicing and learning from it. So if you approach these practice tests, not as like a judgment of what you know or don't know of your deficits or abilities, if you approach the test as, okay, I'm going to just do this in order to learn, then you, you know, you're going to remove that psychological barrier and you're going to be able to do what she did, take a lot of practice exams and really prepare yourself so much better for the exam. But again, there's that psychological barrier for a lot of people that I can't take the exam until I feel ready. And so you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off, you keep putting it off because you never feel ready. And that actually you know, it's shooting yourself in the foot. It's actually (laughs) preventing you from learning as much as you could and preparing yourself for the exam as well as you could. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, Dr. Marina, because I remember um, 
I would also like, say, oh, I can't take that practice test just because I haven't completely reviewed this section. Yes. Like I wanted to read it front to back and then I can take it. Yes. Or I haven't reviewed this section. And it's true. You, you're never going to know everything. <laughs> you're uh-huh. never going to like memorize everything. And this, this will roll over into medical school. And even when you become a practicing doctor, you're never just going to know everything. You're going to have to look up things all the time. Yeah. But yeah, really, I just can't emphasize this enough. Get it out of your head that you have to know everything before you take a test because a test is a learning process in and of itself. So like when you take that test and you start to realize, oh, you know what, like I I vaguely recall these concepts in organic chemistry, but I don't really understand them as well as I thought I did. That's learning. Or sometimes you you do a question and you, you actually just know it just enough to get it right. And that process of actually testing yourself on it, it strengthens what you do know in your mind. Mm -hmm. So again, testing is learning in and of itself. So if you approach it that way, it's less intimidating. And you're going to get over that barrier of thinking that you shouldn't take it because you're not ready. You're just going to do it. (laughs) And you're going to learn from it. And you're going to get so much better at taking the test. I promise. Yes. Remember that building stamina isn't that you spend all day and night studying either. You want to make sure you are building a balanced day of studying for yourself. You want to make sure there is time for mental rest as well. And this could be like hanging out with your friends and family if you wanted to work out, watching your favorite movie or TV show, or doing a favorite hobby that you may have. It's important to have something to look forward to during stressful times of MCAT studying. And this keeps you at ease as well. And, you know, I bring this up and I say this because many students often mistake studying more hours as meaning they're going to do better. This is not necessarily true if you're tired, unhappy, mentally strained. The quality of studying will take you much farther than the quantity of studying. Yes, you do have to study many hours, but you also have to do pleasurable, relaxing activities for yourself so you can refuel your brain with motivation and rest. This is also part of building stamina. I would also like to add that when we are building stamina, sometimes we may realize that we need more professional mental health support. Preparing for the MCAT is very stressful, and it is okay to ask for mental help. If you find anxiety, depression, panic attacks taking over, seek a therapist to help while you get through the exam. Many athletes and performers actually have a life coach or a therapist to help with the psychological challenges that they face. It's okay to ask for help, and you'll be happy that you did. Anything else that you'd like to add to that, Dr. Marina? Yeah. I mean, I just echo everything that you said. Um, It can be really hard to just study for so long, (laughs) whether you're in your undergrad courses or studying for the MCAT. I think humans were not necessarily designed to just like sit in a library for 14 hours a day and (laughs) study, but that's what we're forcing ourselves to do sometimes through these, you know, these hard college years or med school years. And uh, yeah, so you do need to learn how to take breaks because even if you do have to study for much longer than you would ideally like to, it's important to also give your body and your brain some breaks, get enough sleep, take at least one day a week. Like if you are, for example, devoting yourself entirely to studying for the MCAT, maybe take one day a week off where that's like Mm -hmm. your off day. I actually would take like the weekend off because Mm -hmm. I'm the type of person that needs more 
uh, more time off. And also when I was studying for the test and I was spending those eight or nine hours at the library studying, I knew that my brain would get exhausted. And so for every 45 or 50 minutes that I would study, I would take a 10 or 15 minute break. So basically every hour I knew that like, okay, I'm going to like get as many questions as I can do in these 45 minutes. And then I have a 15 minute break. I would get up, I would walk around the library if I needed to, or I would have a book, like a different book that I like a fiction or something else that I enjoyed reading. And I would read that. And so it really gave my brain the opportunity to switch gears a little bit. (laughs) Because when you're doing physics problems, for example, for eight hours straight, oh my gosh, that gets frustrating. And sometimes just taking your mind off of that, like frustrating problem that you don't understand, thinking about something else, switching gears, and then going back to it actually helps your brain to recharge a little bit and then maybe be able to approach the problem in a slightly different way. And maybe you're going to get it. So yeah, schedule little breaks, but also big breaks during your study time. Well said, Dr. Marina. Well, thank you all for listening today. I hope that you have learned something today that will be helpful in studying and preparing for the MCAT. We wish you all success during the process. And don't forget to reach out to us if you have questions. We will try our best to provide guidance. Peace and love, everyone. <laughs>